prayer before we go. And on our list, on our prayer list, is uh, Debbie Ross. She's having surgery tomorrow on her shoulder to repair or rebuild. I don't know. It sounds like it's pretty extensive uh, reparation surgery. And so we need to be remembering her. And then Sherry McLeod, it was today, had uh, knee replacement surgery. And we don't know how that went. I don't know. Okay. Get home, come home Friday. Wow. Okay. So, so the report is that Sherry did really well during the knee replacement um, surgery, and she might get to come home Friday. So that's that's good. That is good to hear. Are there any other? I, I Peru. I've started to look through the announcements, but there are so many of them. Yes. You don't remember her name, though? I don't remember her name. Dolores Carnes? Um, yeah, George Christopoulos' sister, Dolores Carnes, is having surgery for cancer um, and it, soon. When? This week? I didn't, yeah, I saw him and I didn't, I didn't ask him about it. So we'll remember Dolores in our prayers as well. Uh, are there blessings and needs that we know of? Blessings? Um, where we're here. Yes, Jennifer's here with us. Not to not to put all the attention on you. Sorry. I don't like it when people do that to me. Why would I do that to you? Because you did it. Claude. Claude's the one that was pointing at you. It's Claude's fault. Okay. Let's have a prayer and then and then we'll have a discussion about Ecclesiastes five. Our Father God in heaven, thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for the way that you continually bless us with, with each other's presence. And we pray that we will glorify you in our relationships that we have with each other, the way that you allow us to interact in the times. And we pray that in times of study, we will be good for each other. In times of play, um, that we will be beneficial, that we'll glorify you in all of our uh, activities that we have with each other, relationships. We ask that you be with Debbie tomorrow for her surgery. We play we pray that she will be comfortable, as comfortable as possible, that you'll be with the hands of the doctors taking care of her. And thank you for people being in our lives who have spent so much time learning how you've made our bodies to work. Thank you for Sherry's surgery going so well, and we pray that she'll recover as soon as possible and be able to come home and be with, be with Ken as well as he takes care of her. We ask that you be with Dolores and, and her family at this time as they go, get ready to go through this uh, the surgery, and we pray that she will be cancer-free if it's your will, and and, and we pray that you'll give George uh, the strength and the energy to be a comforter and an encouragement, and we're, great, we're grateful that he already is uh, that for so many people and, and the example that he is. We're, we're grateful that Jennifer is with us, and we pray that you'll continue to be with her as she recovers, and we're grateful that you have given us uh, the kind of health that you have, and we pray that we won't, that we will, uh, will not take our health for granted. That we will glorify you with the energy that we have, uh, and with, and that we pray that you you will allow us to have more than um, we naturally have, as we get excited about serving you, and excited about serving other people in your name. Be with the 
preparations that are going on for camp. Uh, we ask that you be with those people who are getting ready, the teachers, the planners, the directors, and we pray that you'll bless them, and we, we ask that you be with those people who will be uh, attending VBS, even though it's so far away. We're already thinking about that, so we pray that you will bless uh, Jennifer and Monica, uh, I mean, uh, Rebecca and Monica, and uh, those other people who are heavily involved in the planning of that and the children that will be coming. But we pray for opportunities to reach out to families as it, if it's your will. Thank you for forgiving us when we let you down. Thank you for giving us opportunities to forgive other people. And we pray that we'll take those opportunities and glorify you in so doing. And thank you so much for Jesus and the example that he is and the things that he's doing for us for eternity. We, we appreciate that so much. Help us to understand that better and help us to, to act accordingly. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been sharing with, with you for the last several weeks um, wisdom from children or observations from children. And just the way that they look at life is, is fun uh, at times. And last week we talked about Jillian Hope and some of the things that she remarked. One, don't never eat a banana that is moving was the last one that we talked about. Um, as a five-year-old, I think she was five when she said that. I w was thinking about the observations from children, and I was thinking about um, our our ch youngest child, Remy, and I was remembering that Amy used to have a blog, and she would frequently put things about Remy on there, and going back to when Remy was three years old. So I kind of went through there and found a story that Remy, from her perspective, we had just come back from camp and we had learned about the prodigal son and Amy was driving and she was she had made the comment, you just never know what you're going to get from camp and, and it, it's beneficial. But she said that Remy started spouting the, the uh, prodigal son out in, in the car and she, it went something like this. Finally, the older brother got a job at Camp Bandina. So that's what she got out of it. Feeding the swiney pigs. I think he just threw it at them so he wouldn't get dirty. Then he ran all the way home and his father hugged and hugged him. But the other brother, he was mean, not the older brother, because he got a birthday. So that's the party. He got a birthday. But the other brother yelled at him and said, hey, why didn't you give me a birthday? And so, so she said that and she followed it up with this exclamation of, we have plenty of hairs on our heads to wind it up. And there you go. That's the, the, the logic. And then, and then uh, Brandon and Mari are here. And I told Mari I should have gotten in contact because y'all's kids, next week, I'm, I, I better have some quotes from y'all's kids and some stories because they are just great. I've enjoyed watching Mari's posts throughout the years. We're working out of Ecclesiastes 5, some observations that Solomon has made, has been making based on his experiences, based on him uh, trying to figure out what life is all about, trying to figure out the meaning of life, what, and this all of the things that we do under the sun that are vanity, all of these things that we do uh, that, that just don't mean anything, working so hard and playing, playing too much and sleeping a little bit too much. Now there's a fine, there's a happy medium that he says we can we can achieve, but his goal so far for these chapters is setting out to find out what it's all about. He's going to experience, he's going to observe, and then he's going to share wisdom. He's going to share wisdom 
from his observations. He's the wisest man ever. And he, and he has a vast amount of resources, the richest man ever. And so he has the resources to experience everything under the sun. And he sets out to do so. All kinds of things, madness and folly and keeping wisdom at the, at, at the same time, having things and building things and experiencing people um, in different places, having all kinds of treasures. But he starts out chapter 5 with advice, with advice. And he says in English standard, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. In, in New King James, walk prudently. When you go to the house of God, when you go to the house on your way to a place of worship, guard your steps. And the house of God can refer to any place of worship. In Genesis chapter 28, verse 17, and, and also 22, Jacob is, is waking up from the dream that you remember that he has about the ladder uh, and, and the ladder going up to heaven. And he wakes up. And he says, and he's out in the wilderness, he's lay, his head is on a stone. And he says, he wakes up and says, surely this is the house of God. He's not in a house, but it's a place of worship. It's a place to give glory to God. So he takes that pillow or that stone that he was sleeping on. Uh, and, he, and, he, and he makes a, a pillar out of it. And he consecrates it with oil because he says, this is the house of God. So the house of God would be a place of worship for us, a place where we go to worship. And we might call a building the house of God, but we also know from Scripture that we are temples of God. Uh, when we go to worship, Solomon is saying, when you go to a place that will be uh, used for worship, guard your steps. What do you think, as we are getting ready to go to the house of God, what do you think? We should be guarding against, as far as that is concerned, what are some of the pitfalls or dangers that we might find ourselves facing on our way to worship, on our way to a point in our lives where we will stop and give God glory? What are some of those dangers? Sorry? Didn't hear that. Sorry? Road rage. That's true. You're on your way to your on Wednesday nights. I can't imagine um, people coming in from downtown, but they do. Uh, they come in from downtown and, and they come in. And, and I always not always, but a lot of times I'll pray for people still trying to get here because there's nothing like coming in late and you're all frazzled and you've been fighting traffic and you might have road. So so anger might be a pitfall that you encounter on the way to on the way to worshiping God. And, um, and it can be your personal time of worship. It can be corporate worship. It can be, it, it, it can be a time, just a devoted time to God where you, you are in danger on your way there. Guard your steps. Be careful where you walk. So what are, what are some of those dangers? That would keep us from getting, we had anger, just distractions, just all kinds of distractions to keep us from, uh, from praying like we need to, from, for, from worshiping like we need to. Guard your steps, be on the lookout. And that would, that would infer, we can infer from that, that there are dangers 
that we might encounter in preparing our hearts and our minds, our bodies, our, our persons for worship. So getting to the house of God safely would require what? It would require some planning and require some forethought. And safely, yes, physically, that's right, but mentally and emotionally and spiritually safe on your way to worship. There, there are, you might, those of us and most of us, we've, we've had kids trying to get them ready to go somewhere. And even getting them ready for worship. Because one is missing a shoe and the other is missing whatever goes in their hair and their Bibles. And, and sometimes you leave missing a child uh, and, and all kinds of things. But, but you might get frazzled from that. So the distraction of chaos. But, but, we, but we refer uh, to us coming together as a sanctuary as a place of safety, a place of, of quietude, a place of, of uh, just, just a nice, quiet, safe place for us to come together. But it takes planning and forethought. When, when should we be getting ready for worship? It's a kind of a trick question. Always, always, we, always. Because when can you not worship when you're not ready? When you when you are spiritually and emotionally, physically, um, yes, but mentally for sure not ready, and so it takes planning, it takes forethought, it takes it, it, uh, any time a couple makes time for themselves, it takes uh, a couple with children, a, a married couple who has a family, they have to make time for each other rather than when we're just dating and we have time for each other. It's time to make time. Same with God. We make time. We plan it. We think it out. We, it requires forethought. And we're getting ready to enter into the presence of God. What kind of preparation do you think is necessary? What kind of preparation would you admonish someone? Would you, uh, what advice would you give someone to, to help them prepare for worship? What would you tell them? What, what helps you? Yeah, reading Scripture. You're getting in the zone, you might say, uh, by, by reading Scripture. Thinking about that. What else? Prayer. Prayer. What, you both said prayer. Uh, yeah, praying. M- making sure that you're, that you're zeroed in on communication with God because... When we worship, when we come into the house of God, when we come together as the body of Christ, when we come together as a family to worship, we are communicating to God and we better be praying. Part of that is prayer, but we need to be praying. We need to be communicating to God how important he is, how uh, amazing we believe that he is. And so it, it takes what else? What else? What other advice would you give someone to help them prepare for worship? Sorry. Pause to stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Take a deep breath. Pause. Yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes you, sometimes when when uh, people walk in and and you can see them when when I'm on the stage and people walk in and they and they've been trying to get here and they finally get here and 
you can just see they've made it. They've made it. And, and now it's time to, to focus on God. I love what happens. I love what happens before, and I've mentioned it before, before services start. Right before it starts and I'm standing in the back, rather if I'm preaching or leading singing or whatever, particularly, and particularly leading singing, it's, there's noise and there are people visiting um, and it's happy. But when it comes time to worship, as Todd, as Todd pointed out, it's time to pause, it's time to stop. And, and without me walking anywhere, at the right time, it's, it seems, there's a hush. And it's just so peaceful. And it sounds like this. And it, and it, and it helps. It helps. What else? Anything else? He says, guard your steps. He continues in verse 1. When you go to the house of God and draw near to hear. Other, other translations have the word listen. Draw near to hear. Draw near to listen. Get close. It's better to listen to the Word of God and learn from it than show up and make a bunch of noise. Make a bunch of mental noise and verbal noise. It's better to draw near and learn from it. We're not supposed to come together and then have this conversation with God in negotiating our terms. We're, we come together and we want to learn His terms. His will. And then he says we're not supposed to give the sacrifice of fools. It's better to draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools. So you think about that. What does that mean? What does the sacrifice of fools look like? What, what would it look like? Well, and, and now, keep in mind, and I want to make sure that we understand this. When he's talking about the sacrifice of fools, foolish sacrifices of people who are actually coming to worship. In other words, these people might be good people that he's describing, but they're doing something wrong. So he says, draw near to hear. They're not listening, but they're coming with their sacrifices. And so it, it, we can infer that there is a right way and a wrong way, or right ways and wrong ways to do this. But there are what he calls the sacrifices of fools. The sacrifice of fools. Sacrifices that don't meet requirements. There, there are requirements in worship that don't meet requirements. And, and, and it's up to us to figure out what those are. But, but looking in verses 2 and 3, we see that there are ways to mess up with our mouths, with our minds, with our as we as we look at two and three, don't be rash with your mouth, nor let your heart or your thoughts be hasty to utter a word before God. Um, for when you vow a vow to God, do not delay uh, paying for it. So there are ways to to mess up your worship with our mouths, with our minds, with our promises, with empty promises. So we need to make sure that we aren't foolish when it comes to serving God and coming into his house to worship him. What are some of the what are some of the sacrifices of fools that, that come to mind? And we're not picking on anyone. We're just, I, for me, a sacrifice of a fool. I've been foolish enough to come in to worship looking for something, 
for me. I've been foolish enough to walk in and, and, and with this attitude of, I'm here. Here I am. Let the party start. You know, he, now it's all about me. Not that I think it's, you know, everybody look at me. I just think, what am I going to get from this experience rather than what? Yeah, yeah, what is God going to get from me in, in this experience? The sacrifice of a fool, in, in my case, would be to walk in and, and start looking around spiritually. What can I get? What can I get? What can I get? But it's when you empty yourself that you are actually, you become full. You become full. It's that, you think about a syringe, syringe and, and as you pull it, you're emptying, you're emptying the back end of it and it's filling up. You're emptying the back end of the air and it's filling up with the substance that you have inserted. And so you empty yourself and you're filled up at the same time. You're empty and you're, and you're filled up at the same time. So he says, rather than the sacrifice of fools, and this is important in, in verse, in verse uh, 1 still, for they do not know that they are evil, doing evil. They do not know that they do evil. It's a sad statement. It's a statement about people who are trying. They don't know that they're doing evil. But they are, do, they, they are going, they are, they, in their minds and their hearts, they're worshiping. And Jesus, in, in Matthew chapter 7, In Matthew chapter 7, 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And then he says, On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And, and, and I read that because, because it's important. He's, he, he's saying, he, he doesn't say, you did not do this. You didn't prophesy in my name and you didn't drive out many demons in my name. You didn't do many wonders in my name. He, didn't, he doesn't say you didn't do it. He says... You just, he's not saying they didn't. He's saying they just didn't figure out what God's will was for him. He's describing people who are worshipful, who are calling on the Lord. But he's, but he's saying, you forgot, you didn't, you're practicing lawlessness because you didn't figure out what my will is for you first. And so here he is, here's Solomon saying, they do not know that they do evil. Who? The people who are sacrificing foolishly, who aren't figuring out what God's will is, who are using their mouths wrong. And so maybe it's that it, it, maybe it's that they believe that God will accept any kind of worship. Maybe it's that they fail to prepare themselves properly, which we I'm guilty of doing physically, emotionally, mentally preparing myself properly and then showing up. It, it, it's a lifestyle to worship 
correctly. It's a lifestyle. And it is physical, and it is emotional, and it is mental. And, and, and maybe it's because they just they showed up to show up, and, and, and like me sometimes, would go through the motions without paying attention to what God would have them learn and hear. And that's why he sets it up at the beginning. Draw near to hear. Guard your steps. There is a right perceive, there is a there there is a way to get ready, and and we need to be thinking about that. Uh, so okay, so moving on to two finally, and do not be rash, he says, with your mouth, or hasty with your mouth, or quick. Yeah, Doug, sorry. Yes, belaboring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's our nature. I, I think, I think our nature, by nature, we're, we're, we're selfish. Um, but and Doug, Doug makes the comment that we get in trouble when we when we don't look externally for God's will. We we look internally to figure out what we would what we want, um, what we like, what how we would have it. And and by nature we're like that. And and it's it is a selfishness. We think about you know as babies we just want ourselves to be fed. We're not thinking about other people, and, and we don't really outgrow that natural. We've got to, we've got to work on that. That is something that we we reach out externally to God's word to figure out what God's will is, to figure out how He would have us worship. And, and so, that is important. That is important to to and uh, to, to remember, to think about, to 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 understand. That worship has nothing to do with what we want unless what we want is to glorify God. And, and that's His will becomes our will. And our will, our will, our initial will is, is done away with. And so they do, they do not know that they do evil. A sad statement. Um, but they just weren't drawing near to hear uh, what God had to say. Okay, don't be rash with your mouth. Let not your heart utter anything hastily before God or hasty in thought, New American Standard. Think before we think, I have in my notes. Think before we speak, he says. And then I, I have in my notes, and I don't know if it makes sense to anyone else, but it makes perfectly good sense to me. Think before we think. Think before we think. What, what, are, what are we going to meditate on? God's Word, hopefully so. What else? The good things in life, hopefully so. Are we going to, are we going to meditate on, on things that bring us down spiritually? I, maybe we should. Maybe we should at times. Not to, not to hyper-focus on them, but, but maybe we should so we can pray through those things. We need to contemplate Think before we think. For, and then he says, For God in his, is in heaven and you are on earth. We need to remember our place in life. 
God is God. We're not God. He's in heaven. We're not. He's almighty. We're not. We're weak. He's, he is all powerful. And he says, therefore, why does he say, say therefore? He says, God is in heaven. You're on the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Listen to God. Let him talk. You let your words, you be quiet and let him talk. And then he says in verse four, and this is an interesting study, and we don't have time to study it, but, but I was reading on it. It is fascinating. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it. In a nutshell, a vow is a sort of agreement. It is an act of worship in the Old Testament, an act of worship where you consecrate or you dedicate something of yours. It could be a house. It could be an animal. It could be a child. Consecrate them to God as a vow. You, you make an agreement, propose to God. The worshiper would commit to do something, commit something to God or commit to do something in not trade, but but if God would grant a request. So it, it it was not required of worshipers. It was not required of worshipers to make vows. It was a voluntary thing. But he says, he says, don't be hasty to do that. When you make a vow, do not delay to pay it. Don't be late in paying it. Proverbs 20, 25 reads like this in New King James. It is a snare for a man to devote rashly something is holy. That's, a, that's making a vow, to consecrate something. It is, it is a snare for him, and afterward to reconsider his vows. That's what the scripture says. It, it's a snare. It's a trap. How many times have we made a promise to ourselves <laughs> on different things, and then you, you figure, figure it out as a trap? I think... I think, and this is a, a, a dumb illustration, but you make a promise to yourself, and so you join a health club, and you start paying on this thing, a health club. You make a promise that you're going to get in shape. And you pay out this money, and then what happens? Or you get the treadmill, or you get the uh, what's elliptical machine. The treadmill is, becomes the best clothes hanger that you have, and the and the elliptical. You still have the the tag on your keychain for the for the health club, but you you're not going. In, but you made a promise. Don't be rash because you can't keep that promise. Um, every for for years, I had P90X. And I would start it, like get into this program for a week and then restart it and then restart it and restart it. And I finally just told my, finally I realized, you, you just give, up, give it up. Um, you, you're not going to do it. But I paid the money for it um, and I didn't do it. So making a, making a, uh, a promise and, and, and paying it, he says. Of 2025, is that right? I typed it. Okay, I thought you were there. Yeah, 2025, it's a snare for a man to devote rashly something as holy and afterward to reconsider his vows. He has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vowed, he said in, in, in verse 4. Pay what you have vowed 
So not only should the worshiper not be late in paying, but he should make sure that it gets paid. And then he says, verse 5, better not to vow than to vow and not pay. God wants us to make, you know, you might read this and think, God doesn't want us to make promises to him. He does. What are some promises that God wants us to make to him? He wants our lives. He wants our dedication. He wants us to promise that we will not sin, that we won't follow Satan anymore. He wants us to make promises. He wants us to make promises that we can keep. And then he continues in this vein, do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin. Don't let your mouth get you in trouble, nor say before the messenger in the New King James, the messenger of God, probably the priest, that, that it was an error. Why should God be angry at your excuse? We get to see a little glimpse of God here. His emotion of anger. When? When a vow is not kept. And when the excuse is given, oh, I, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. I, I know I made this promise to God, but it was a mistake. Can I go back on it now? Can I go back on it now? And notice what happens. Why would God be angry at your excuse? This is verse 6. And destroy the work of your hands. The work of your hands. It's a, it's a delayed punishment. It's not immediate necessarily, but it is the work of your hands. For in the multitude of dreams and many words there is also vanity. But fear God. Fear God. That, that in a nut, he, he ends this series of thoughts with this phrase, fear God. He ends the whole book in chapter 12. But fear God and keep His commandments. This is the whole of man. That, that's how he ends, that's how he ends the, the, the book. This is how he ends the section. Fear God. Don't, vow that, don't make vows you can't keep. Draw near to listen. Guard your steps. Don't make foolish sacrifices. Fear God. When, when you're walking in a way that you respect the dangers around, you're going you're gonna to walk a little differently. The other night, the other, while Amy does school with, with Remington, she allows her to play with Legos because she learns, she learns better that way, which she has something to do with her hands. And the other night, I was, I, it, they were in the living room, they were finishing up school, and Legos were all over the living room floor. And I thought, when I get up at 5 in the morning, and it's dark, and I'm walking through this thing to get to, to, get to the refrigerator, walking through the living room, these are still going to be here. And so sure enough, they were and it was dark and and I and I caught a glimpse of one. Uh, and so then, you know how I walked through, I mean, a very just gingerly, you know, one step at a time. But we walk differently when we know that there are snares. When when you know that you're barefoot and you've got to cross a yard that may or may not have stickers in it, especially when do you all have goat heads, all sorts of stickers and, and it you know that they might be there. You're going to walk differently when there are dangers around. And so when you fear God, you're going to walk differently. Not that you're afraid of Him, but when you respect Him mightily and you know that there are dangers around to keep you from getting to Him, you're going to walk differently. You will walk differently. So Legos in the floor in the dark. So then he shifts gears, it seems like in verse 8, and and and. New King James, the title of this little section, the vain and gain, the vanity of gain and honor. If you see the oppression of the poor, verse eight says, and the violent perversion of justice and righteousness in a province, 
do not marvel at the matter, for high official watches over high official, and higher officials are over them. Several people think, well, what does that mean? Well, well, there are kings over kings. Is that what it means? Well, there's a king over the officials. Is he talking about king? Is he just talking about uh, the, the, the perversion of justice? He, he says in the New King James, he's talking about... Um, He's talking about fraudulent governments. He's talking about people who, who oppress the poor um, and, and pervert justice. Don't, don't marvel at that because it happens, he says. And then he makes this statement, and it's a wise statement. Moreover, the profit of the land is for all. Even the king is served from the field. Now, in verse, this is verse 9. Look at that and listen to it. So you look at your version. You listen to, to New King James. Moreover, the prophet of the land is for all. Even the king is served from the field. Now, you probably have something different. Uh, you might have in New American Standard. After all, a king who cultivates the field is an advantage to the land. So, so in, and, and it's, it's a matter of uh, commentators are, are trying to, translators were trying to figure out how to translate this. Is it right that, that, what does it say, the first one, even the king is served from the field, or even the field is served from the king, the, the land, uh, English standard. But this is gain for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivating fields. When a king commits to growing things in a field, who benefits? The king does, obviously. But the farmers also, the workers also, will benefit. The land will benefit. It gets turned. Uh, the king benefits. The land benefits. Is there a spiritual application for there? This is a time when I stop and I say, uh, first of all, we're done. But I stop and I say, why is this written for us? Why is this lesson here? What do we learn from it? Um, but why is it? And I'm going to mark my place. We almost got through. Um, or did we? No, we, we have we have some things to talk about. I'm going to let people in, though. It goes by. Do we have 15 minutes for class? Okay, something like that. It seems like it to me. Okay, we're we're going to let people in. Thanks, y'all. This seems like it.